Happy Friday, one and all. Welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Oxworth here with you. Joe has the day off, but we are here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube. And follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, John Daigle offers up his favorite prop plays as he does each and every Friday. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern time, Aaron Schatz of FTN gives us invaluable insights for the NFL awards markets. Before we get to the Week 18 card, and we've got a ton to get to as far as that's concerned, Aaron, I'm curious, because this is the final week of the regular season, we get to see how we did with our season-long prop plays and division plays and things like that. Is there one thing or maybe a couple of bets, anything of the sort that really stands out as far as what you might be sweating the most heading into this final stretch? I don't think I'm sweating any season long bets. Um, One thing that I talked a lot about uh, heading into the season was betting unders and, you know, season long Mm -hmm. prop unders. I think we can all obviously see the path, you know, uh, someone gets injured, (laughs) someone gets benched, like, and you typically get more value on that as well. Um, So Mac Jones under and Russell Wilson unders. Those are two that, um, I bet more than normal on, and uh, I cannot wait to see the deposit come in to my account. Like those should have cashed weeks ago, and uh, I cannot wait. It's going to be a good time. So I think next, I'm going to do this every year. Is okay. Uh-huh. Which quarterbacks are going to get benched, or which numbers seem off? Like if. The season-long passing prop is lower or similar to what the quarterback did the year before. Okay, he's probably going to miss at least two to three games. There's a chance this dude could also get benched. Let's go, you know. I was also thinking about it for next year. Like, Uh Derrick Henry and that Titans offensive line is awful. Like, I'm curious Mm -hmm. to see what where he ends up because with a better offensive line, I don't know if he is cooked, you know, maybe a lot of this has to do with how bad the O line is and maybe given a fresh start, a clean slate. I know he's getting older and he's got a lot of miles on him, but maybe that's a guy that could have more production next year on a different team with a better offensive line. I think that makes a lot of sense. And not to mention that, like, for season-long prop plays for Henry, wherever he ends up, that will be interesting. But also, too, like, he gets better over the course of a season. And I think that dynamic doesn't change no matter where he ends up. And so maybe I don't necessarily do a season-long prop play for him, but I will definitely be backing him, say, like, once we get to those October games, November games, when just about everyone else is assuming that he's cooked. I don't want to go that far just yet. And maybe that's kind of the play where I I don't forget exactly what he's all about. I think I'm just curious to see what the number is because if people are like, oh, he's old, I'm going to hit the under. He's not going to, you know, go over this. And then all of a sudden he's playing on a great offensive line and everyone's like, oh, wow, Derrick Henry's back, you know? So (laughs) that's one I might keep my eye out on, but it may just be a pass too because it is tough with running backs. I mean, that was the story yeah. last offseason. Nobody wanted any of these guys. Saquon <laughs> could be on a different team, it sounds like. So, uh, once again, we'll <laughs> see how much love the running backs get. 
Dalvin Cook is on a new team now, and we're about to get to the playoffs. Like, this is just going to be happening for a little while now until, like, something gets restructured specifically for that position. Uh, Paul, what do you have as far as some things that you're going to be sweating for Week 18? So I'll throw these out and see which ones you guys feel good or terrible about. So we'll just stay away from awards. We'll just do – we've got Josh Allen, sacks leader, at 26-1. to 1. He is a half-sack yeah, back. Uh, TJ Watt, obviously, in the mix uh, on Saturday. Um, I think Trey Hendrickson is there as well. So he's a half sack back of those two guys. Dolphins, AFC East at 3-1. to one. That was placed before the season. But I'm invested on the Bills in the playoffs. So kind of torn there. Could, I guess, go either way. And then uh, Will Anderson, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I don't have a ton of hope for that. So that is an award. And then, oh, the Jags, AFC South. So we'll see oh. how those all shake out. Oh I, I actually am rooting for you. This morning I'm coming around on oh, the Jags. I think with, with so much on the line, uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's been battling injuries for a while, like a lot of injuries, and he's not playing the same. It's been tough for him, but I think he'll be out there. Um, with so much on the line, I just think he will, even though it's not going to be good Trevor Lawrence, probably. I, I think he finds a way to to get the win. I also have I, that Josh Allen yeah. sacks leader ticket, so definitely we're in Sapatico there. I think Joe does as well. I think all three of us uh, took a flyer on that one, so that one makes a whole lot of sense. The Jaguars, we'll talk about it when we preview that game against the Titans, but that one mm-hmm. feels odd to me, so I don't know. And as far as the Dolphins go, look, I mentioned this yesterday, and we'll get to it once, once we uh, preview the Bills and the Dolphins, but I think Miami does have a chance in this one. I don't know if it's an outstanding chance, and it is something where the spread of three can be a little misleading as far as how good a team is, uh, say, in that particular matchup. But I don't think any of your bets that you're bringing up are things where I'm awfully pessimistic. I think all of them do have a chance of hitting. Yeah, I'm I'm considering like do I wanna I mean I missed the number and we'll talk about this. Titans down to plus three and a half, but do I play both sides and try and double dip? Like I've already got the Jags Ooh. future, but maybe the Titans keep it within a field goal. So like that's always something I look at doing. Uh so yeah, but it'll be an exciting weekend and I will say I have so many bets on this Ravens game that I did not expect to have. So Excited to talk Love about it. that one. Really, yeah. really quick on the double dipping. I mean, if you didn't double dip and get in on Flacco for comeback, why would you do it now? With a well, that's scenario? a either win or lose. Well, you can set yourself up to win regardless, and that's a good point. I was just, and I, I probably won't at this point. Um, yeah, no, that's a fair point. I was just thinking, like, if you can, especially at the five and a half, if you can give yourself that kind of runway and still win a, you know, all you need is the Jaguars Something, to win. Yeah. Yeah, you have a little bit more leeway as opposed to like, all right, I'm going to cut into my profit for this to make sure that I hedge with this guy or whatever. I'd say it's not quite hedging. Because is that called middling then? Or yeah, it would be more than yeah. a hedge. So yeah. what about the, yeah, the Vrabel uh, narrative does scare me in that situation too. So I could I could see where that would be a tough definitely a sweat (laughs) yeah for sure sweaty weekend yeah right exactly for all of us uh okay so let's get to the week 18 card and folks do not party hard friday night do not rage 
because you need to be awake and ready and raring to go for Mason Rudolph versus Tyler Huntley. The Steelers are three and a half point favorites on the road with a total of 35. Aaron, how are you playing? One of my favorite plays. I love the Ravens in this spot. Uh, I know we talked about the different scenarios, but I do think John Harbaugh and the history and the rivalry that they have with the Steelers, any chance they can get to eliminate them. Tomlin never had a losing season, and he somehow has his team in position to avoid it again. It's crazy. Uh, But I just think Tyler Huntley is a pretty good uh, backup quarterback. We obviously have seen him quite a bit last year, and I trust him. He fits the system well. I don't think it's you know, a huge change in terms of learning the offense and like, oh, you've got a totally different quarterback. Like he's very similar in terms of what Lamar does. So I like this. Um, I think you're getting value on the Ravens. It's one of my favorite picks. I'm going to split the difference here in that on the one hand, I can see the Ravens losing this game and I can also see Pittsburgh covering the number. And at the same time, I do like Tyler Huntley a lot. I think as far as backup quarterback situations go, I think the Ravens are in one of the better spots in the NFL. So I wonder if like Huntley props might be the angle I take, sort of taking in your wisdom when it comes to, yes, the Ravens are going to try hard and they're going to play well in a game like this. And I believe that they will. It's just that I can see the motivation for the Ravens losing. And this has kind of been living rent free in my head for a little while now. If the Ravens have an opportunity to get the Bills out of the playoffs and that's one fewer dangerous team that you have to worry about, then I wonder if they find some way to do that while still making sure everybody's completely healthy, that they're still playing well. The quality of football is good. You are building some momentum despite having a week off next week. I wonder if that's kind of how I want to look at this. The other thing that's going to be really interesting here, Aaron, is the weather could be a bit of a concern. We could get wind gusts of 25 to 30 miles per hour in this one, so both rushing attacks uh, might be used a little bit more often than we would normally see from both offenses. But as far as Huntley goes, his passing prop is at 165 five and a half assuming the weather isn't horrible and I might you know go a little bit closer to kickoff but if that's where the number is I love the over in that spot you're talking about someone who has a low sack rate since 2018 and a low pressure to sack rate at 19.4 percent and is roughly in the middle of the pack among all qualified quarterbacks but for a backup I think that's really good Paul did you I'm on yeah I'm on Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I will play. I have placed a bet on the Ravens plus three and a half, but Huntley is what I have circled over one sixty five mm-hmm. and a half. And like, you could even do two hundred plus at plus two thirty five, two twenty five plus at plus five fifty. Now I might get away from those if the winds are looking the way that Ed that you said they're they're looking. If we get there, there are some juicy numbers at like very attainable numbers and numbers. He's, you know, he went over 225 at, in a playoff game last year. Uh, so Huntley's yeah. definitely been here before. He's been in the system before. And then the other thing, I, I guess we got to wait till closer to kickoff. But, like, how much does Isaiah likely play? Because you can't afford to lose that guy. Is, like, Charlie right. Kolar coming into his best Isaiah likely impression and get a 7-1 to touchdown? Are we looking at Melvin Gordon, Laquan Treadwell, Nelson Aguilar? Like, those are kind of some of the names I have written down for Ravens backups. 
correlated to that, I was just trying to find it because I know we did not get to this one during our incentive segment yesterday, but Odell needs five receptions to get 250K. He's had five receptions twice this season. It's a pretty big ask, but if you like Huntley in the passing game, maybe he will be looking towards Odell. However, does Odell need the money that bad? I don't know how much 250K means to Odell. Every penny counts. Every penny. You got to pinch those pennies in this economy, right? Although economic factors have been okay. Uh, But here's the thing, though. Like, you're talking about that being a a potential reason why Huntley could go over or Odell Beckham props could go over. Like, he's not the Deacon Dunk receiver. He's someone you can rely upon with intermediate throws and deep throws. And so if there is that motivation for Odell to get his by everybody else in the locker room, then he's going to do it swimmingly, right? Like with 60 yards, 70 yards, 80 yards, something like that. That's one chunk of Huntley's passing prop right there. Everything else is going to the likelies of the world and all of these backup receivers. So I think there are probably a couple of ways to play it, maybe in terms of like secondary and third order outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. With yeah, you. I'll be looking at, at backups. And then with the Steelers, like they're going all out. I just... Is it? Are we doing the Jalen Warren thing again, which he finally actually did last week, but like over 41 and a half or like, like Najee's been dealing with a knee, but like they handed it off to him 27 times for 122 against the Seahawks. Ravens run defense actually hasn't been great recently. Do they just feed him? So I, I actually just don't really know where to go on the Steelers side. So is anyone else betting a side besides me in this one? I'm on. The, I, I bet the Ravens. I bet the Ravens okay. plus three and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ed? I, I am not. I, I am not. I, I will skip that part. Okay. Yeah, I'm passing, but I'm still finding ways to believe that the Ravens will do something good in this game. But it, maybe like a first half play makes sense. And then they, you know, put in, you know, third string guys, fourth string guys. Maybe that's how this plays out. But even then, Huntley could still go over his passing prop. So that, that's kind of where I am in all of this. Uh, how about we quickly get to uh, Texans and Colts? And certainly we can, uh, you know, turn this into uh, the next segment if they're if we need to but Texans one point favorites here against the Colts total 47 and a half and certainly there's a lot of chatter leading up into this game from CJ Stroud from Gardner Minshew so how about we go ahead and hear from them to preview this one riveting words from CJ Stroud and yeah Gardner no I think that's it man I think uh Shane put it great you know we have to have our best week of preparation this week I think that's one of the things that you know, when we prepare the right way, we go out and perform the right way. Um, I think everybody's locked in on what we got to do to do it. Um, and I think everybody's excited for it. Yeah, you got to just got to keep it. It is what it is. Like, you don't want to make it too high. You don't want to make it too low. It's just a regular game since I told my teammates earlier, like, same game we've been playing since we've been young, you know. So nothing changes. Aaron, first initial thoughts on this game quickly. Love the Texans. Can't wait to talk about it. I think C.J. Stroud solidifies Rookie of the Year in this one. Good stuff. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We'll continue that conversation between the Texans and the Colts and talk about if the Jaguars can actually clinch the AFC South. That's coming up right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
It sucks to lose, Gentry. Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. It sucks. Losing. Awful. That's why I want to win. Because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. That was Titans head coach Mike Vrabel explaining why, despite not having anything to play for as far as playoff standings and getting into the tournament, they're still going to try their best against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get to that game in just a bit. But first, let's continue our conversation with the Texans and the Colts. The winner is in somehow, might even win the division with a victory. The loser is out of the playoffs altogether. And currently, Houston is a one-point favorite on the road, Aaron. So how are you playing it? I love the Texans. Uh, there's so much to like. They're, they've been the darlings of the NFL. C.J. Stroud, this is his moment. If he wants to win Rookie of the Year, which I think will go to a quarterback. However, uh, the gentleman who plays for the Rams is also very close. Uh, this is a game where C.J. Stroud really needs to put on a show to solidify that award. And also, I'm invested in some Texans' future. So I think a lot on the line. I have compared this Texans team to the young Bengals team that we saw make the Super Bowl. So I'm rooting for them. And I think Texans side is where I will end up being come lightning bets. I don't have a play on the side here. I think the number is fairly sharp. But when I'm looking at, say, the advice that Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 16 in Houston doled out yesterday on the program, I know he mentioned uh, Devin Singletary going over 62.5 rushing yards. My concern Mm -hmm. there, as I looked a little bit more deeply into that, would be, like, if the Colts stack the box at a high rate, the Texans have struggled in that department. Uh, This isn't necessarily an offensive line. Like, in some ways, it's been very good. But when it comes to the ground game, like, I think it was one of the comments that we made at the start of the year where, like, Damian Pierce should have been more of a factor than he had been. And Singletary certainly has had, you know, some good performances. But I do wonder against these Colts, like, there's not really one thing they do really, really well. Everything is just okay. And so I do have right. some concerns there. But Kaimi Fairbairn, over one and a half field goals. That one I do love. I think Sean's right on the money that uh, there. And I think I'm more than comfortable doing that one because I think one of the reasons why this game stays close is because, yeah, the Texans will get their chunk plays. Very confident in that. But what can they do in the red zone when the field gets a little bit shorter? I do have some concerns there. So uh, it is going to be interesting as far as that's concerned. And when you're talking about the, the Texans' defense, I think they're going to play really well here. Like, I've got some real hope in them, especially when it comes to containing the ground attack for Indianapolis. Because mm-hmm. that's what you think of when it comes to the Colts offense, right? Like, it's Jonathan Taylor and Moss and all of that. Well, defensive success rate for the Texans rushing defense, it's fourth highest. 0.5 yards before contact per carry, that's number one in the NFL. 3.3 yards per carry allowed, that's number two. So, Jonathan Taylor's prop is set at 72 and a half rushing yards. Give me the under in that one. I am quite confident that the Texans' defense will show up in this ballgame, Paul. 
So I am. I have Jonathan Taylor under 72 and a half written down. I have not played it yet. And my only thinking is that I, I would like it a lot more. And maybe I could. It looks like Zach Moss has been priced in limited fashion. I like it a little bit more if he is up and there's a split carries potential. Because while mm-hmm. the Texans are a third ranked rush defense for the season, is still playing at a very high level. The Raiders are one of the best run defenses right now, and they just kept mm-hmm. fed, they kept feeding Jonathan Taylor last week, 21 for 96 in a close game. If this is a close game, that could kind of play out similarly, and maybe it's just mm-hmm. the volume is the reason he gets he gets over that number. Uh, I did play the Singletary over 61 and a half uh, rush yards, the Colts being a bottom 10 rush defense. Uh, they have been improving recently, uh, more middle of the pack. I'll say if I'm the Texans and I see the Colts stack in the box, I love that. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You're going to let CJ Stroud beat you? All right, we will do just that. Now, I know some of his weapons are down, but I would, if I'm the Texans, I love being like, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll put the ball in the offensive rookie, likely offensive rookie of the year's hands. Uh, I was, I liked the Texans. I had them circled throughout most of the week. I'm getting away from it. I haven't played it. It just, it's mm. feeling more and more, and this is just a feel. It feels like a Colts spot a little bit. And I, I want the Texans to win. I want them to get into the playoffs. I want to see CJ Stroud play a playoff game. I'm just not going to pull the trigger on a side. I will say, I would love, I'm holding Will Anderson ticket. I think we poo-pooed that idea a little bit earlier in the week. I'm holding out hope. Get a couple sacks on Gardner Minshew, and maybe that thing gets home. So that is the angle, <laughs> certainly, that I'll be watching in this game. Hmm. A question for the group. I'd say two sacks. So, two sacks. Right. Give me two. There you go. He got two on like 12 snaps last week. So come on. I, I like it. So here's my question for you guys. CJ Stroud, still a rookie. You know, he's been sensational, but he is still a rookie. And I do wonder in a week 18 quasi winner take all kind of contest, if we need to remind ourselves he's a rookie or has he done enough to prove to us that no matter the situation, we can trust him? I am starting I to lean towards the latter. I'm, I think I'm the highest yeah. on CJ Stroud on the show, but I think he has proved out as wrong. I mean, even la- you know when he came back from concussion, I felt like he looked really good. I know their opponent wasn't the best in the league, but still, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm I'm more towards having confidence in him than I am doubting him now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I don't have a reason yeah. to doubt him really. Like uh, like a little a little iffy coming back from the concussion and like we saw that road stinker in Carolina. But like that is going yeah. to happen during a rookie season. But by and large, uh, I'm pretty comfortable with CJ Stroud in a big spot. It, it, you know. The, the stinker against Carolina, like, I almost forgive him for it. Like, it happens. Like, sure. you can't expect uh, – I mean, most quarterbacks to play well game in, game out, uh, even if it's against, you know, weaker competition. And, you know, just kind of caught the Texans at a bad time. So, whatever. Um, but I, I'm probably leaning in your direction, guys, uh, if for no other reason that – this is a Colts defense that is beatable in a lot of ways. Maybe it's the matchup uh, where I'm a little bit more comfortable backing Stroud. I'm not going to pull the trigger on a side here, but definitely there are a couple props as I mentioned before that make a whole lot of sense. Uh, how about we move on now to the Jaguars and the Titans? This spread has gone down from Jacksonville minus five and a half 
down to three and a half. And we got to believe one of the reasons is because Trevor Lawrence's status is up in the air. Now, he has been limited uh, all week long at practice, uh, but it is starting to feel like a flesh wound when it comes to the Jags quarterback. Right shoulder and left finger were listed as the reasons for limiting his practice, but he has also dealt with other nagging issues pretty much all season long. So Aaron, knowing this, what are we supposed to do about this game? Well, I mean, this is a big game for Jacksonville. Paul has some bets he's sweating out, but they beat the Titans and they win the AFC South a lot on the line. One thing I do know about Trevor Lawrence, he has been dealing with all these injuries and he's a gamer. Like he's, he's playing through it. He's out there. He's not that great playing through it, so you don't know exactly what you're going to get. But then you look at the other side of the ball, and is Will Levis going to play? How much do we trust him? And if it's Tannehill, he's been awful. So I think the Jags can still win comfortably here. Um, I mentioned it before in terms of Derrick Henry. This uh, O-line is awful. So I I think the Jags can cover this number. I like that it came down minus three and a half now. I am going to personally wait until Trevor Lawrence and his status is a little bit more available to us, just because, like, despite all of the issues, the Jaguars, you know, pretty much have to win this game uh, to take the division, obviously, but then also make the playoffs. And so in that respect, I got to think he, you know, if there is any hope in him being out there, that he is going to be out there. And then when the spread creeps back up to, say, five and a half or five, something like that, Then I'm going to pounce on the Titans because that is my alternate spread of the week. It is Titans minus half a point. I think Tennessee, even with nothing to play for, that is who I like in this matchup. I believe in Mike Vrabel. I believe in this coaching staff to do one more great thing. That's what I like in this spot. And, you know, one of the things, too, is that, look, if this is a Ryan Tannehill game, I am just fine with that. DeAndre Hopkins has a lot of contract incentives and Tannehill can get him the ball. I don't think it's going to be this massive quarterback drop off as far as that's concerned. I think the Titans are going to win this thing outright, Paul. Yeah, I've got my investment on the Jags to win the AFC South, so I can't help but disagree with you, hopefully for my own sake. Uh, (laughs) But I am, again, I'll be watching sacks. So Josh Allen, Look, he's it's a I'll know where I'm at after Saturday. Wow, with TJ Watt. I mean, obviously Trey Hendrickson could get a couple on Sunday as well, but see if you can get to Tannehill a couple times. Well, I'm that's who I'm expecting to to play for the Titans. Uh, but I agree mm-hmm. with you. Like I would wait if you're gonna play the Titans, you might as well wait to see. It's looking like Lawrence is going to trend towards playing. You'll probably get this number to go back up. Exactly right. Let's move on out to the NFC South, and we'll kick it off with the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Tampa Bay, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road with a total of 37-and-a-half. Aaron, what do you like here? Well, what I don't like is how the Bucs showed up against the Saints, but Baker Mayfield was playing very, very well before that, so I'm hoping... Uh, he can revert back to that because I do like the Bucks here. Tampa needs the win to win the division, and I think it's a good time to be getting the worst team in the NFL. So Bucks minus four and a half. I don't think that number has moved all week, has it? It's been. Four I think and it's half it went week, down I from believe. five and a half. Yeah, oh, I, I think it's okay. actually moved in Carolina's direction by about a point. And that, to me, means that it's getting sharper because I think my model had this as Tampa Bay minus 4.4. So as far as that's <laughs> concerned, uh, I don't have a play on the side or the total here. But as far as props are concerned, 
I think one mm-hmm. thing that really has impressed me about this uh, Tampa Bay offense, it probably has less to do with Baker Mayfield, though he's been fine, and maybe he's the comeback player of the year. I don't know. Sorry, Paul, but, you know, we both have DeMar Hamlin tickets. At the same False. time, I look at this. <laughs> I look at this and I go, I've been really impressed with how they've used Rashad White. Like, here's a running back who was insanely inefficient to start the year. The rushing attack was non-existent. You put even more on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. Somehow they've been able to get to this 500 record and potentially uh, win this division. But what's been cool about watching uh, this young fellow develop is now he's becoming more of a pass-catching running back. And I think that's something that Tampa Bay has really needed to become more dynamic and not rely on just deep throws to Mike Evans all of the time. So I'm seeing over 21 and a half receiving yards. I think that's a great look, Paul. I was actually looking at the rushing yards uh, against the Panthers. Panthers still a terrible run defense. I'd definitely go yards over 70 and a half before I'd go attempts 18 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Etienne mm-hmm. just went for 16 and 102 against these guys, against the Panthers last week. Uh, if you want to talk incentives, you could do the Mike Evans two touchdowns thing, but I'm not rushing to the window for an eight to one on two touch, two plus touchdowns, especially when it's, I got to have a game for the Bucks. Like, there's going to be things more important than, all right, let's just feed this guy, get him his, his money. Uh, I will say on the other side, one prop you could look at, uh, tight ends versus the Bucks. Most receiving yards allows. Tampa Bay has the tight ends and seven touchdowns. So Ch- Tommy Tremble could be a target mm. in the Panthers passing game. And where did Rashad White go to school? Sun Devils, I'm baby. I'm guessing Arizona hook State. Em. Yeah. yeah, hook them. I actually was looking at the rush attempts. I know Paul disagreed with that. But uh, 18 and a half, I like the overall on that. He he went over that like four out of his last five games, obviously not last week. But uh, whether it's his rush yards or rush attempts, it does seem to be a sharp number that he's gone over about half of 50% of the time this season. <laughs> so pick your poison. And- and the case for attempts, I mean, Baker's ribs are banged up. So, like, maybe they just want to keep him out right. of the line of fire, just keep handing the ball off. So, I see the case for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, especially if there is a playoff game in his future, then you definitely want him to be a good bit healthier for that going up against, in all likelihood, the Eagles. And that will be a tough contest. How about we get to the Falcons and the Saints? New Orleans, three-point favorites at home, and it is a juicy minus three at BetMGM with a total of 42. Aaron, you got to back the Saints in this spot, right? Right? Come on! Yeah. I I still think there's an outside chance that they could make the playoffs. <sighs> New Orleans has covered uh, three of their last four games, so I, I lean Saints here, although I probably won't actually bet it, but I, I just have a problem putting my money on a team that I don't trust, <laughs> and I don't trust either <laughs> of these teams. So at the end of the day, it's probably a pass. If I had to place the bet, I, I'd uh, be on the Saints side here, Paul. But really, I don't have a lot on this one. Not really interested. We completely agree. I refuse to risk or spend another dollar on either of these worthless teams, worthless <laughs> coaches, and terrible quarterbacks. I will not play a single thing in this game, and I'll be very happy about it. 
Throughout yesterday, I like Saints minus three. I do trust New Orleans, uh, you know, especially when it comes to being at home against this Falcons passing attack that is just putrid. No problem saying that. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is for the Dirty Birds. Doesn't matter. I think they'll be just fine in that department. One prop, though, Derek Carr under 240 and a half passing yards. Wouldn't be surprised if game script uh, leads them to run the ball a little bit more. Or this could be a complete absolute failure in which case he can't get to 240 and a half. So either way, I probably like that one as well. But I like the Saints minus three. This is Becky Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, can the Eagles regroup and cover against Tyrod Taylor and the Giants? Plus, the Cowboys and the Commanders coming up here on the Becky Well Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. From BetQL. Eagles center Jason Kelsey trying to remind everybody the Eagles are still a talented football team despite recent struggles. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Aaron Hawksworth, Paul Aspen all here with you. We'll get to the Eagles in just a bit as they take on the Giants. But let's start with the team that in all likelihood will win the division. The Dallas Cowboys. They are 13-point favorites against the Washington Commanders with a total of 45 and a half. Aaron, what do you like in this one? Well, first, it appears that, once again, we will not have a repeat champ in the NFC East, so that trend will continue. Gotta love it. Uh, If the Cowboys win, they get the two seed, so I guess they have something to play for. So, on the other side, the Commanders bench Sam Howell. Jacoby Brissett pulls hamstring. Now they gotta go back to Sam Howell again. I don't know what happened to Sam Howell. It's kind of sad. Like, it looked like he might be a decent quarterback for a while, and then he just kept declining and declining and declining and then lost his job. So you would think for his own pride and his own career being in this situation that we would get an inspired effort from Sam Howell, but I don't know if he's even capable of doing that against this Cowboys defense, and the Cowboys do have something to play for here. Cowboys beat the Commanders 45-10 to the last time they played earlier this season. 45-10. to Cowboys team total, it is high, 30 and a half. Uh, but that might be my favorite play. Uh, CeeDee <laughs> Lamb also 93 and a half. I hit the over on that during the break. He can double that in the first half, folks. Let's go. <laughs> well, geez. the expectations for CeeDee Lamb, my goodness. Uh, okay, a couple of thoughts here. First off, I would disagree that Sam Howell uh, was a has-been. He might be a never-was. You know, we had the preseason expectations that maybe he would be something, but I'd say there might be one game this regular season where maybe I had some hope in him, uh, but that's been dashed completely. The the commanders need to get another quarterback. So as far as that's concerned, there there is motivation, I suppose. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera's not going to be there, so you deal with those politics, I suppose. But it's interesting, whenever I looked at my model here, that it's actually telling me to back the commanders. I'm not going to do that. But I will at least accept the fact that this number could be way too big. And the reason is I almost never care about home road splits. I don't look at them. I don't even think about them, except when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And Dak Prescott, his home road splits, I mean, this is significant here. His completion percentage, 
10 points worse on the road. Passer rating, 33 points worse away from AT&T Stadium. Three fewer air yards per attempt, more sacks, more scrambling yards by Prescott. And it shouldn't matter, but it seems to week after week, year after year. So I almost respect this idea that the commanders could have some kind of backdoor cover in this game. Dallas is going to win, but I can't play the side here because there are just too many red flags that lead me to believe where I go, geez, like normally this should be the Cowboys blowing them out of the water. But I, for some reason, the spidey senses are telling me to be careful. This is definitely Cowboys or nothing, but I see like if they're up, you know, three scores in the fourth quarter, it's like, all right, let's shut her down and get ready for the playoffs. And then, you know, the, the commander sneak in the back door. I'd be a little bit worried about that, which is why I actually I, I love as far as an angle on the Cowboys back in the team total over 30 and a half. If you're going to back the Cowboys, um, it's never the commanders here for me in any possible way. Um, I'm just not going to. I'm not going to put myself through that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's Cowboys or nothing. They sh- Like we all said, they should blow them out. They should win by multiple scores. But I just think there's a lot at play here. So it's just kind of a – that team total might be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the team total. Also, there's really no home field advantage. There's probably going to be a lot of Cowboys fans there, as there typically is here in Washington. So, <laughs> Like you might get a really no-show. From the fans, the team, the coaching staff, you could get an entire no-show from Washington. So, like, I just have zero interest in also, trying to catch that falling knife. Weather. Subtle. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting that Baltimore's having weather, but Washington isn't, considering they're only an hour apart. But I don't know if that'll end up being a factor come game time. Well, they're different days. Uh, you know, Saturday things may be coming in and they clear on Sunday. So that, that may have something to do with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as what I've seen from the forecast, it, it's, it may not be the same, but I know the weather out there changes a good bit as, as you've told us. Uh, exactly. Aaron. It's like, <laughs> yeah, hourly. And, right. Exactly. It's just a little 24 hour thing here. Um, but I do have a question pertaining to, to one CD lamb here. I was actually surprised to see this last night. That Lamb is 60 yards off the receiving lead. I think we all just assumed that Tyreek Hill was going to get this honor, but CeeDee Lamb is closing in. And given quality of competition, that the Cowboys are going up against a bad secondary, and the Dolphins, like, look, the offense might be sputtering. The Bills' defense might be a tad underrated despite all of these injuries. It is entirely possible that C.D. Lamb could finish with more yards than any other receiver. Now, getting to 2,000, like, I'm not going to believe that. But if he does finish as the receiving leader, does that mean he is still alive to win Offensive Player of the Year? That is interesting. I obviously want to say yes. Because we're holding big number on them. Word. I I find that tough to believe that it that he would overtake McCaffrey as well. I know McCaffrey's not playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the case for Tyreek is two thousand plus, right? If CD's not yes. getting there, I don't. Yeah, then I don't know that he has a case. Yeah, he's so far back in the odds. You would think there would have been an adjustment if this was factored in already. I mean, in, I, in what 15, way? Like, 
Like if well, I'm I'm surprised. If to see there that was a chance he's going to win it, why would it be? Why would he be at twenty to one or whatever? I'm seeing. Yeah, I thought compared I to thought McCaffrey be... at minus three seventy. Yeah, I thought his number would be longer. I'm kind of surprised to see a fifteen on the board. That's never mm-hmm. a bet. Um, and obviously we're holding a much bigger number. I just have a real tough time seeing that getting home again because the the case for Tyreek is two thousand plus. So if CD's not going to get there. Even with the receiving lead, I'm happy well, to be holding my 75 to one, but I, 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 I've got sure. no no hope for it. Well, I think one clarification: I think it was to get MVP was to have 2,000 receiving yards. You know, despite all these good quarterback performances, if he got but to two don't you, 2,000, offensive player of the year, like maybe the now, threshold's a little bit lower. But don't you feel like now that has become the threshold for offensive player of the year? Because he's he's significantly be behind. Mm-hmm. I it is funny. Like I wonder if for Lamb it is, but for Hill it isn't, because Hill's kind of been in our been on our radar for a good bit longer. But I guess my thing though is like at fifteen to one, I probably wouldn't bet it. No alternate receiving yards overs. That I think is perfectly fine here because he could go nuts in this matchup. At the same time though. It's not a ticket I would throw in the garbage at this point, if for no other reason, if he does go nuclear, which is a possibility, then maybe voters succumb to recency bias and give him that honor. And look, the Cowboys, you know, as a result, would finish with the two seed in the NFC. It's not the 49ers one seed, but there is a reason why they got there. And at some point that has to be acknowledged, right? If you're going to put the ticket so, in on Lamb for offensive player, like what might as you just well bet the alt overs anyway too? Because then you might get mm-hmm. the offensive player of the year if he gets the alt overs. But if he gets the alt overs, you get paid to, like that day. You don't have to wait a month yes. to maybe get it. You might as well just bet both if you're going to do that, right? For sure. A hundred percent. Like one, one can't happen without the other, right? Like it is that cause and effect thing. So absolutely. I think that makes a ton of sense. And so, just to yeah, clarify, I, if, if CD has this game, Dak's putting up, what, 400? And let's just mm-hmm. throw four touchdowns in as well because of the terrible passing defense. Zero path to MVP, correct? Like, there's obviously not a bet to be made right now on that, but zero path to MVP. Because if we're making the case for CD, I think we've got to say, okay, Dak has a monster, monster game. Mm-hmm. Will he, though? Like, I wonder and that's if, like, just it. You know, it's not even up... on the uh, Cowboys, so I'm confused. Like, you don't even think the Cowboys could cover this spread, but you're making the case for CD. Well, I'm asking the question. Like, I don't, I mean, is this something where, you know, the commanders, you know, keep up with them? I mean, that's a possibility. But I do think, though, that, you know, Dak is probably out of the MVP conversation. Like, I don't, I don't see how that could possibly happen. Also, too, he might, you know, get yanked just to sort of preserve his health in the second half. If say they're already up 35, nothing, but maybe lamb is still out there. Like to me, you preserve your quarterback first and foremost, and then you sort of, you know, scale back your receivers as far as that's concerned. So that that's probably the other thing as well. So Prescott MVP, no lamb offensive player outside chance. Wouldn't hate that idea. But the bet to be made is, CD yeah. Lamb overs, Alt. Alt, alternate yeah, overs. Sure. If you're going to make a bet, yes. Yeah. Okay. I love that Excellent. angle. Mm-hmm. 
How about uh, quickly we'll get to the Eagles and the Giants. Philly, four and a half point favorites. They do have to win this. The Cowboys have to lose for Philly to win the division. But as four and a half point favorites with a total of 42, Aaron, what stands out to you here? Well, what stands out is the Eagles, man, they lost to the Cardinals 35-31. Both Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray threw for three touchdowns and an interception in that game. But what stands out even more is how bad this Eagles defense has been when it comes to the run game. They allowed 221 rushing yards. So maybe this could be an opportunity for Saquon. Um, I didn't see any of his props listed. Ultimately, I will not be betting this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eagles first half, uh, I'm probably comfortable with, but the Giants, it almost screams backdoor cover to me. So full game, I'd stay away, but I think Philly wants to make a statement. I think they can do that in the first half. And certainly this is something we will discuss a little later on in the program. But in the meantime, here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, John Daigle will be coming up to help us analyze motivation and matchups for the best prop plays of Week 18. That's right here on the BetQL Network.